Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Do you ever feel that the way you think constantly causes you all kinds of trouble? Do you ever feel that if you could just think like everyone else, you would fit in better? You wouldn't have all the problems you have. Well, I don't know if you can relate, but I'm sitting here going, why? Why is my thinking so messed up? If I thought like everyone else, I would fit in with most Christians. I would fit in in most churches, but I don't think the way most Christians think. So therefore, I constantly feel like an outsider And, well, I'm having an internal struggle, an internal debate with myself, like, what is wrong with you? Just think like everyone else. Just go along with the crowd. Just follow everyone else. But I I can't, I can't stop myself. Okay, okay. Welcome, everyone. I I know you're like, what is happening? You will find out. Welcome every morning. Welcome every morning. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday morning, September the 22nd, 2022. It is now 10 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And it is from this studio that every single day I turn on this microphone and you get to hear all of my messed up thinking. I I know that for most people who tune, tune into this podcast, you're like, wow, his thoughts on this subject, that that. That's not like other Christian podcasts. That's not like my pastor. That's not like my church. I know my thinking is sometimes in the minority of the minority of the minority, but I want you to know it's not on purpose. Just I can't. What everyone else thinks is, oh, this look, isn't this wonderful? This is great. This is so encouraging. This is inspirational. I'm the one sitting going, oh, wait, what? Wait, I got a question. Are we sure that's right? Oh, wait, wait. Are we sure? And everybody's like, why can't you just enjoy it? Why can't you just benefit from it? Why do you have to question everything? Look, I I wish that I could be like the rest of you, but I can't. So here's my feelings is (laughs) someone just said, you know, you can't go along with with everyone else. I know I can't. I I, I know it's like a disease. Uh, If if I could, I, I think, ah, my Christian life would be so much better. My 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 experience as a pastor would be so much better because I could just be like, well, every other church. I could just, I could preach like every other pastor. We could, but I just can't do that. Let me, let me explain what's going on because I know right now you're like, you're just all over the place. Well, here's what happened. All right. I woke up. I saw an article. Five Psalms to read in the morning. To help start your day with God's peace and strength. Now, that sounds like an encouraging article, right? Five Psalms that they want me to read in the morning to help me start my day with God's peace and strength. What an encouraging article. So I should grab it, look at these five Psalms and go, wow, 
These are beautiful words. And I just take those words and just use them the way the average Christian would use them, right? Like I just immediately apply them to myself, immediately apply them to my circumstance. And like, yes, I read this Psalm this morning. And guess what? I I now have God's peace and strength with me. I'm in his presence this morning because of these five Psalms. That that's and and so many pastors would preach sermons like that. Here's five Psalms to start your day with. Here's five Psalms to end your day with. And and you read them in a very devotional, inspirational, encouraging way. People take the notes and like, oh, pastor, that was so beautiful. That encouraged me. Thank you so very much. And you know, if you know anything about me, I would be the one going, wait, 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 wait. You think you want me to read these five Psalms in the morning so that I can have God's peace and strength and I'm just supposed to read them and not worry. I don't know about, I don't, are they actually applicable to me? Well, if they are applicable to me, what does that actually look like in a practical way? You know, I'm going to have questions. And then guess what happens when I have questions? Well, I have to find a microphone to ask those questions to you so that I can. So here, here's the way it works for me, right? Here are five Psalms to disturb my peace and make me go crazy. I know that's not the way it's supposed to work, but hey, so I'm here to disturb your peace. I'm here to make you go crazy because I'm going to ask questions. You're like, I don't want to hear those questions. Those are just not five beautiful Psalms. Everything is wonderful. Oh, I read them this morning. I feel great worship and, and encouragement. And I'm here to like to go, nope, I'm going to blow all of that up. But I don't want to. You know how much better it would be for my podcast to say, here's five Psalms this morning. Here's five. And this morning, we're going to start with Psalm, the, the first Psalm in my list. And, and, and I read it in a very like pastoral voice and a very encouraging voice. And, 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 and you're like, wow, that was so great. I'm going to tell other people about that podcast. And then, oh, we get more subscribers. But no, I'm here to go. Wait, guys, those five Psalms? Are we sure? Are we sure? Really? Really? Those are the, wait, well, but wait, wouldn't that imply, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to mess this all up. And obviously I've already labeled this part one. I don't want this to turn into a series, but it's going to have to because it's five different Psalms. So do you want the list? I'm not going to read anything yet about them. I'm just going to give you the Psalms. And I would challenge you. I really would challenge you to spend some time today. I know, I know we're working on Amos. I know we've got so many other things that we're working on. We're still trying to identify the third enemy within the church. We're still trying to figure out the steps to unity, all the different things we're working on. But here are the five, the first one. I'm just going to give you them right now so that you can write them down. I want you to write them down. And I want you to really think about this. And maybe this is going to, I hope it sparks maybe a little bit of conversation, maybe a little of debate, but it's a debate about, wait, what do we do with these Psalms? And are they applicable? And if they are applicable, here's the big question. If they are applicable, what does that mean? Like not in theoretical, oh, I read the Psalm and I now feel God's presence. But no, what does it mean in reality? All right. So here we go. <laughs> Someone said, someone said a five-part mini-series. Well, you're very, very, very encouraging if you think I can do this in five parts. But okay, okay, here we go, all right? We know it's going to be at least six because this is just introduction. So then we'd have to do one for each psalm. So maybe it'll be a six-part mini-series that will probably turn into 16 weeks. But who knows, all right? Here we go, 
All right, I think this should spark some good conversation, hopefully. Here we go. The first one that they want you to read in the morning, so according to their words, so that you can start the day with God's peace and strength. The first one is Psalm 121. Just write it down. Don't look it up. Psalm 121. The second one is Psalm 103. So Psalm 121, Psalm 103. The third one is Psalm 91, Psalm 91. <laughs> I'm sorry, some of these, some of these I just have, especially Psalm 91. Well, I don't even want to get into all my, my, <laughs> my never-ending frustration with Psalm 91, but you probably heard that a lot during the pandemic, okay? Psalm 91, Psalm 46, and Psalm 23. So let's go through these again. The first one, this is where you want people actually present so that they can repeat back to you. The first one is Psalm 121. The second one is Psalm 103. The third one is Psalm 91. The next one is Psalm 46. And the next one is Psalm 23. Five Psalms that they think you should read in the morning. Now, not, not doesn't mean you have to read all five, but you could read one on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you read them. Now, I do understand, please, very, very much as someone who's very much a, a student of church history. In fact, they're holding up the microphone. I have all of the volumes of the Liturgy of the Hours, how the early church prayed. And guess what? You pray the Psalms in the morning. You pray Psalms in the afternoon, in the evening, and late night. It's called the Liturgy of the Hours. It's how the early church prayed. So I understand using the Psalms for prayer. Even the Liturgy of the Hours, though, if I can, I, I mean, you basically have to turn off your mind as far as actually understanding the text. We, we could talk a lot about how that works. I've, I've done teaching on it before. So I understand using these Psalms maybe for prayer. I understand that this is common. But my question is, what do we do with these Psalms in a practical way? Because they say that I need to read them in the morning and then I get God's peace and strength. In other words, I'm reading these Psalms. I mean, look, the implication from, that, from the title here is obvious. I read these Psalms and they are for me, about me, and applicable to me. That is a massive assumption. Hey, hey, I read this Psalm. That's for me. That's that, that's just a massive assumption. Now, my, my argument is, I will, I will agree with you. They are for us. And then you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it to its logical conclusion. If so, well, then what should that mean? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So let's see what they have to say. We're going to use the article at least as a starting point here, as a starting point. Here we go. The article begins this way. And I guess the article was originally published in 2019. Then I guess it, I don't know how it showed back up again. Well, I know, here's what I think. The article was 2019. In 2022, they basically deleted the article. And it's a link to a 
Facebook basically is a video, right? It's this really peppy, upbeat music, da, 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 okay, with all these beautiful images in the background, and they're like five psalms to read in the morning to help start your day with God's peace and strength. And as the music's playing, they show the the, the verses from these psalms. So, uh, so they had an article that I guess the article got replaced with just the little, I hate to say it, cheesy video that they posted on Facebook. And of course, everyone was like, oh, this is amazing. This is so wonderful. This is so great. And I'm, and I feel like that, you know, I'm the screw, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, bah humbug. I'm, you know, I've got to come along. I'm the Grinch that stole everyone's happiness. And I don't want to be that way. I'm the, I'm the guy saying, get off my yard. Right. But I don't want to be that way. But I'm like, but does, I don't, does it work? I, I don't understand. Okay, but let's see what they have to say. Here's, here's what they have to say. Sometimes when we wake up in the morning, our minds might already start racing before our feet even touch the floor. Hearts burdened, spirits heavy, worry begins to creep in before we're fully started our day. There's so much in this life we can start to feel anxious about. Even when we know truth and believe that God's in control, Fear can be a daily battle, and we may wrestle with a feeling great pressure under the weight of responsibilities we're carrying. If you found yourself there recently, here's hope from God's word. The Psalms offer countless verses of real-life struggles and prayers for God's strength and covering. No matter what we may be facing today, we can choose to set our hearts and minds on His truth, believing that He is with us and giving us strength every step of the way. Here are five reminders from the Psalms to help start your day with peace and strength. Now, the implication is obvious. These Psalms are for you. These Psalms are applicable to you. And you can take these Psalms and something and gain practical benefits from it. So they start with Psalm 121. I'm going to quote it as it's in the article. I don't know what translation they're using, but this is just to get us kind of a, a social, a kind of um, introduced, just become acquainted with these Psalms. And then we'll just see, I don't know how we're going to work this series, but we will see, okay? I, I almost did, we need to do a Bible study exercise on each one of these, but here's what they have to say. Psalm 121, our help comes from the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. I'm quoting Psalm 121 as it's in this article. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Now stop right there. He will not let my foot slip. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm going to I'm going to grab from another translation. See, see these I know I'm not supposed to think this way, but see these are the questions I have. All right, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes towards the mountains, where will my help come from? My heart comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. This goes on to say, your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Now, immediately when I read that, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. That next part is very important. In fact, I'm going to read it from the translation here in the article. 
All right. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So is that for us or for Israel? Is this some kind of promise to Israel or is this some kind of promise to us? And what does it mean? He will never let my foot slip. I mean, that that's, that's not an atheistic, agnostic, skeptical question. That's like, what does that mean? Like, if I'm going to read this in the morning, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to look to God. That's where my help comes from. I'm not looking to any other source because he will not let my foot slip today. And then I get in my car and on the way to work, boom, I get in a car accident. And it's my fault because I, because I got distracted. Did, did he let my foot slip? I get to, I get to, maybe I don't have a car wreck and I get to work. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm into some yelling match with someone and I say a cuss word. Oh, did he let my foot slip? Like, what does that mean? I go to work and I fall down two flights of stairs because I have a seizure. Did he let my foot slip? Like, what does that mean? I I don't need, I don't need something that's just a, a, you know, meaningless words that that supposedly gives me great encouragement. I need to know what that means. He's not going to let my foot slip. Let's just do this. I'm going to look up Psalm 121. I'm just, I'm just curious because, because it's got to mean something, right? I mean, like, what do we do with that? Uh, I'm, I'm, so he will not let your foot slip. New Living Translation. He will not let you stumble. Uh, King James. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Uh, let's see the other ones. Do they offer anything? The other ones don't really do much more with it. Now, if we go to the very first translation, um. Okay. All right, well, they talk a little bit about the Hebrew here. The psalmist addressed himself with, with basically words of assurance. God will not allow any evil to approach him so as to do him hurt. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. God does not sleep. So is this for the psalmist? Because, or is this for Israel? Who is it referring to? They really don't do much here. I'm going to look at some other commentaries here. Um, he will not uh, suffer thy foot to be moved. So as far, okay, so as to fall into mischief. Um, he speaks as it were from God to himself, but with all to the encouragement of all good men. He will, uh, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. So he's not going to let you fall into mischief. God's not going to let us fall into sin. I mean, like, what does that mean? Uh, let's see here. I'm looking here. This one offers anything. Uh, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He will enable you to stand firm. All right. He, he, what, what? Nobody explains. Uh, so as to fall into mischief. Almost all of them say that this is referring to the idea that he's not going to let you fall into mischief. He's not going to let you fall, fall. He's not going to let you be moved out of your spiritual estate. So like, what does it look like? That sounds wonderful. Those are great words. Okay. In fact, I'll read them again. So I wake up in the morning. I will lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
He will not allow your foot to slip. Do I, do I say that? Like, okay, God, you're not going to let me slip today. You're not going to let me fall into mischief today. I, I wish that that was 100% true. But if that was 100% true, who would sin? Like, do Christians ever think about the words we say? Preachers preach this, and everybody sits in the pew like, amen. And and I'm like, but nobody says, hey, guys, if if God's not going to let anyone slip into mischief, then why? He's not like, can someone help me? But the verse immediately goes into and talks about, well, Israel. How do we, do we ignore Israel mentioned in the passage? Now, but even that raises questions. Because Israel slipped into mischief constantly. So how do we even understand it in that context? These are, these are important hermeneutical questions. Uh, I'm going to go back to the article, uh, and, and I'm going to quote from their translation. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So what, God's going to keep us from all harm? How, how do we understand that in a practical way? Christians will say, oh, Psalm 121 is so encouraging. God will not let anything harm me. But they have like locks on their doors, 20 guns in their closet to keep, make sure no one, like what? We we say we have armed security guards at churches while we sing Psalm 120. We have our hands lifted up singing, God will, well, nothing will harm us. And then, well, but we act like clearly that we are afraid of being harmed. So what is it? Like, does Psalm 121, is it just words we say in church, but we don't actually mean it? They go on to say this. This powerful psalm is a, is a hope-filled reminder that we can fully depend on God for help that he is constantly watching over us, protecting our coming and our going. Sometimes when we keep looking all around, we can easily get defeated. We just need to remember again to look up. Our God is all powerful. He is a mountain mover and creator of heaven and earth. He is with us, always breathing help and strength into our souls, into our day. He won't allow us to fall. We may find ourselves on slippery slopes or the path we're walking seems to be full of potholes and obstacles, but the God who knows all knows our way. Even when we stumble, well, wait a minute. Now you're going to say we can stumble when you just said he won't let us fall. So I guess we can stumble, but not fall. I guess maybe that's the difference. As our eyes are fixed on him, he will keep our footsteps firm. Well, if he will keep our footsteps firm, why are we stumbling? For he watches over us, never sleeps or slumber. He keeps us safe in his care. He protects us like the shade from the heat of the day. We can be assured that whatever he's given us he, uh, to do in this life, he is covering of protection, rest all, all over the work and efforts. That's typical in the Christian world. Everyone will read this like for a devotional time. What does it mean? Now, I know when I do this kind of thing, people get irritated with me. People get frustrated with me. But don't get frustrated with me. 
Be frustrated that nobody in your church, none your pastors and, and preachers don't ask these kinds of questions because any reasonable person reading this should think this way. Any anyone with who who I know you're taught not to think. I hate to say this. I know that Christianity basically teaches you don't think. Don't ask these questions. And everybody hears these kinds of sermons like, amen, 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 amen. But as soon as you walk out of that building, you don't live your life like Psalm 121 is giving you this assurance that God is not going to let you fall, that God is not going to let you slip, that no harm is going to come to you, and that he protects you. Because if you did, you would live your life completely different. How do we understand it? What do we do with these words? Are these words expressing a promise? Or is these words expressing a hope? Are these words directed towards Israel and not to us? Did God make specific promises to Israel about protecting that doesn't apply to us? It got really quiet. Not only did it get quiet in this room, because while it's empty, it got quiet out in internet land because people like, this is not, go, go listen to all the Christian podcasts, sermons today. Just go listen to sermons on Psalm 103 and see how they, maybe in this series, we will review some sermons on Psalm 103. That sounds like fun, right? We'll just, we'll pick a random sermon on some of these Psalms. We'll pick random sermons. Just, we'll just pick random sermons and just go, how do they handle this? It would be fascinating to hear how they handle it, All right? So that's Psalm 121. If I said Psalm 103, I apologize. Now, now we move to Psalm 103, right? Psalm 103, back to what, how the article handles it. God is our, our redeemer and crowns us with love and compassion. And they quote Psalm 103 verses 1 through 22. Here's how it's quoted in this article. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and uh, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, it looks like they jump a little bit. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removes transgression from us. Now, most of that, we could see how that could be applicable and what Christ has done for us and salvation. I think a lot of this would work. The only thing that could cause some issues is heals all our diseases, which some people takes to believe absolutely true and that all of our, which clearly it's not. So what do we, how do we understand heal all our diseases? Well, everything there seems to be ma making more a reference to like sin, Dealing with like sin is what I think it's re referring to, but we could get into a discussion there. But this one is not near as problematic as Psalm 121. Psalm 121 is majorly problematic, but please note in Psalm 103, in fact, I'm going to verify this, Psalm 121 specifically mentions Israel. Psalm 103, Psalm 103 Oh, no. Well, uh, okay. Well, Psalm 103 
does mention Israel. So actually, even Psalm 103 mentions Israel. Uh, but I think in the context here, a lot of this would be clearly applicable to, I think, us in salvation, what God has done for us in salvation. All right. But it's a Psalm of David, so you have to at least consider that. So we're not going to go through everything in Psalm 103 right now because I'm just trying to get you acquainted, introduce you to these Psalms so that you can struggle with some of this, right? So the first one is Psalm 121. The second one is Psalm 103. Here's what they say in regards to Psalm 103. No matter what we may be up against, God's promises stand true. Often when we're facing hard seasons, it may seem easier to complain about everything than to offer God praise. Yet these verses remind us again of all we can be thankful for. His truths never change based on how we're doing day by day or what we may be walking through at certain times. Now, I think it's very important to, when we are going through difficult times, to focus on what God has done, right? Jesus has died for us. Our sins have been forgiven. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We have been now adopted as children of God. We're co-heirs with Christ. It is important to remember all that God has done for us, all that is true when we are facing uncertainty and difficulty. I completely agree with that principle, and I think Psalm 103 points to many of the things God has done for us in salvation. It says, there's great power in choosing to set our hearts and minds on Christ, offering him praise for who he is and the way he's at work in our lives. He forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. Again, I need to know exactly what you mean by he heals our diseases. He will ultimately heal our diseases when we have a new body. So is that what you mean? Like, I, I would need to know exactly what to do with that. He redeems our lives from the pit. Okay, again, what pit are you referring to? Pit of sin and our guilt before God, yes. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies us with good things. Are you talking spiritual things? Are you talking material things? Um, he, uh, he is compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Remembering God's promises and choosing to praise him and trust his sovereignty is the first step to finding hope in your day. There's some things there I can agree with. So Psalm 103, I think, is... We, 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 is, is workable. Psalm 121, I mean, I got problems and I got issues and how and what to do with that. But both, interesting enough though, both refer to it, both Israel is mentioned in both of them. Now you can, you can, you can just add that information to your hermeneutical toolkit to see what you would do. Let's go to the third one. Psalm 91. Oh boy. Here we go. Psalm 91. All right. It says, God will protect our way. Psalm 91, one through four. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Go on to say, the enemy will always tempt us to believe we are forgotten and left on our own. We must make our choice. We must make the choice to step right over his traps. Though we may not we may not see it fully, God is leading and carrying us, even when we don't understand how we're getting through each day. The Bible is filled with countless reminders that he loves us, that his presence covers us, goes before us, and hymns us in from behind. God never asks us to face the struggles alone. He is with us always uh, and promises to fight our battles. God promises to fight our battles. So whatever battle you have to face, God's going to fight it. D does it work that way? How does that work? What does that mean practically? I love the theoretical poetic language, 
But sometimes the theory has to meet real life. Does he fight our, I mean, like, I mean, oh, I've got, I've got so many questions. The entire chapter of Psalm 91 is filled with goodness and power of God. No wonder it's the 911 chapter for it gives us the great reminders that our Lord uh, faithfully works on behalf of those who love him. And at the end of it, he gives eight reasons why we don't have to fear. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91, 14 through 16. So once again, this is a psalm where you, basically it's the idea he's going to protect you. I'm going to go to Psalm 91 in this translation. Psalm 91. If you can hear that in the background, that's my neighbor and his very loud truck pulling out of his driveway. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, here's a good example. Here's a good example. Um, I, yeah, okay, yeah. Psalm 91, verse 7. Though a thousand fall at your, uh, your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pes- pestilence will not reach you. That's why a lot of people quoted this during COVID. Hey, the pestilence can't reach me because God is protecting me. Yeah. How many people died of COVID? Were we supposed to be quoting Psalm 91? Hey, hey, nothing can touch me. I'm protected. Okay, well then why do you own guns to, to for self-defense? Why, why, why have health insurance? Why even go to the doctor? But then it says, because you, uh, because you have made the Lord my refuge, uh, uh, the most high, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. You will tread on the lion and on the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Well, I mean, really? Can, can you do that? So, so when you read Psalm 91, there seems to be these promises that everyone grabs onto and thinks that they are applicable to us. Well, if it was true in a practical way, then no, it, it clearly it isn't. So how, what do we do with Psalm 91? Let's move to the next one, Psalm 46. God calls us to find rest and peace in him. Psalm 46, 1 through 11. Obviously, I think they're going to skip some of the verses, but here's some of what they quote. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, he will give, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the earth, uh, heart of the sea. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at, at break of day. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will, ex- I will exalted, I will exalted in the earth. That's literally how it's written. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, what, what do we have here in Psalm 46? Let's just look at it. Psalm 46. All right, it said, God is uh, our refuge, our strength. So all of these things about promises here. All right, Um, let's see here. Do we have anything here that gives us some kind of concept? Maybe, um, 
It's a lot of us, 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 us. Who is the us the psalmist is referring to? And can we take those promises that he seems to be applying to them, us, and say that that's for us? Is the us us or is the us them? Is this expressing hope or is it expressing certainty and promises? This is what they write about it. One of the hardest things I've learned in life, especially in tough days, is simply this. Be still. More, when we're often so prone to hurry and worry, this may feel like such a huge challenge. But we should never allow the pressures of what we're facing to get in the way of just spending much. Uh, Let me read this again. But we should never allow the pressures of what we're facing get in the way of just spending much needed time in God's presence. It's truly the most important minute of our day and will bring peace to our spirit and, and, and strength to the day. Maybe everything hasn't gone as planned in recent days. Maybe times seem hard or we're not sure what God is doing through this difficult season. But whatever is concerning us, we can entrust it to our powerful God, for he knows every burden we've carried and he cares. God's truth and time, God's truths and time spent with him will help us to quit spiraling into cycles of worry as our hearts and minds become more focused on him. The very God who caused the sun to rise every morning, who created us, and all that we see holds the whole world in his hands. He keeps us safe and secure in his care and reminds us he hasn't lost control, not ever. Constantly, he says, he keeps us safe and secure until he doesn't. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you, you can, I, just so that you know this, you can become a Christian as a young person and still get beaten and tied up in a closet and burned with curling irons by your parents. So, so just, you can be a Christian and get raped. You can be a Christian and be molested. You can be Christian and be murdered. So you can say, well, he keeps us safe until he, it's his will that we're not. Well, so what does that mean? What does that mean? How do you understand that practically? But we, 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 we sell these promises one way without dealing with all of the implications of them. Then the last one is Psalm 23, which we all know, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for namesake. Even though I walk through the dark, darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me. I, I think so many times I would ask this question. A lot of the promises in these Psalms, we see these as maybe tangible promises about things that are very part of the, of the material world, the, the physical world. I wonder if a lot of these promises are for spiritual aspects, what God does for us spiritually, what God does for us in salvation, that we are protected. Like, I am completely safe spiritually speaking. My sins have been forgiven. His righteousness, I am protected. I am safe. I cannot fall. I cannot stumble in my position. Are we to understand some of these promises spiritually or some of these promises specifically for Israel? Or do we constantly rip these out of context and make promises that people don't actually experience in life? Five Psalms. What have you been taught about these five psalms? What have you heard in the sermons that you've listened to in regards to these five psalms? How do you 
understand some of these promises in light of a reality that completely contradicts these promises. What have you been directly taught about these five Psalms? What, what have you heard in sermons you've listened to? And how do you handle what appears to be these great promises? How do you understand these great promises in light of a reality that extremely contradicts these promises? What do you do with these five Psalms? There's far more I could say. But I at least want to place this before you because for me, this is, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask these questions. I don't care if nobody else goes to, look, your church won't ask these questions. That's okay. There's got to be a church somewhere that will. There's got to be a Christian podcaster that will because any reasonable person reading this is going to be like, I've got some, I don't understand this. It makes no sense to me. Give me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I don't know where this, I guess now, new mini series is going to take us, but I promise you it should be relatively interesting. At least I think it should be. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. I can't wait to get your thoughts, your feedback, your, your struggles. Maybe you don't have any struggles. Maybe you think the people who have struggles that they're the problem, but I would love to get your thoughts. Let me know. Can't wait to hear from you. I'm just going to leave it right there. You're like, man, you just kind of came in and smashed everything and now you're leaving. No, I'm, I just laid it all before you. Five Psalms. I'll give you them one more time. The five Psalms are Psalm 121, Psalm 103, Psalm 91, Psalm 46, and Psalm 23. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. God bless.